I remember growing up as a kid, uh, hearing uh, my grandparents went to kind of a, uh, a little charismatic church. And uh, I tell you what, you can have church on that song right there. And uh, I'm looking forward to that day. Like I said earlier, if you're a child of the King, if you have Christ in your heart, uh, you've accepted him as Lord, you can sing these songs with confidence, amen. And another great song is when the roll is called up yonder, I'll be there. Let's sing this great song together. When the trumpet of the Lord is sounding, times of being to hear Philip Keltner sing a while ago, amen? It's great to have him back and in uh, full swing, singing on the worship team. And this morning, uh, I have a song I want to share with you. Um, 
It's a song about heaven, surprise. Uh, but uh, many of you have heard this song, and uh, uh, many of you know that I sang with a group called Shiloh for about five years. We traveled all over the country in a big bus singing gospel music, and we were in uh, Amarillo, on the, kind of on the outskirts of Amarillo, and our tenor singer, Brian White, that normally sings this song, had taken ill, and so we hadn't planned to do that song in that concert that night until somebody requested it. And so everybody looked at me, and uh, so uh, anyway, um, I think it was Thursday, maybe, pastor texted me and says, we have anybody that can sing, I bowed on my knees and cried holy, and uh, I thought, well, maybe maybe I can do that this morning. So uh, great song, if you've ever thought about what you're going to do when you get to heaven, uh, this song says it all. I dream of a city called glory. It was so bright and so fair as I Of that city, 
said, Timothy, I want to see my Jesus, for he's the one who died for me. Then I piled on my knees and think we found somebody that can sing that song, don't you? Amen. Brother Steve, thank you. Before you get away on us right quick, I want to tell everybody that Brother Steve is a brand new granddad. He's wearing his pink shirt this morning because Miss Maisie Colburn, there she is on the screen for us. All right. Praise God. And so what an exciting day to be in God's house. If you're here and excited to be here today, say amen. Amen. So thrilled to have you in church this morning. Um, also, if you're watching online today, we want to welcome you. We have an exciting topic before us. Uh, the very best book that I ever read about heaven, besides the Bible, I should say, is Randy Alcorn's book entitled Heaven. 
And if you're looking for another resource, if you like to read about heaven the way I do, I recommend also Don Schaefer's book entitled A Better Country. If you didn't get those quickly this morning, I'm sure you'll find me on the landing later and say, Pastor, what were those two books that you talked about? But we're going to be quoting out of those books numerous times today, so I wanted to mention those to you. Um, if you're a born-again follower of Jesus Christ, here's how I want to begin. If you're a born-again follower of Jesus Christ, in other words, if you're a Christian, one day you're going to make a trip. It's going to be the biggest trip of your entire life. It's going to be a trip to heaven. So I think it's important for us, for you, to know as much as you can about that destination. And heaven is not a vacation destination. It's an eternal destination. It's the home of Jesus Christ, and he is there now. So here's the question. What are we going to be doing in heaven? And perhaps the biggest falsehood I've read out there about heaven is that somehow some people are portraying the idea that heaven is going to be boring. Uh, Let me speak to that today. In 1977, when he was 28 years old, Billy Joel wrote a song entitled, Only the Good Die Young. How many of you remember that song, right? And in the song, here are the lyrics... I've been accused of not knowing the lyrics to songs. I just sing along and dance along and don't really pay attention to what they're saying. But here's how the song went. It says, they say, there's a heaven for those who will wait. Some say it's better, but I say it ain't. I'd rather laugh with the sinners than cry with the saints. The sinners are much more fun. Only the good die young. Well, Billy Joel is 73 years old now, so he's not so young anymore. But I think Billy got one thing right. People do die, and they die young and old alike. But the Bible says this, it's appointed for man to die once and then face the judgment. Let me tell you another social reference to heaven. In the adventures of Huckleberry Finn, Mark Twain has Huck make this observation about heaven. Here's what he says. She, Miss Watson, told me about that good place. She said all the body would have to do there was to go around all day with a harp and sing forever and ever. And I asked her if she reckoned Tom Sawyer would go there, and she said not by a considerable sight. I was glad about that because I wanted he and I to be together. And then Ted Turner, the mouth of the South, as they have called him in, in the media, had these remarks about heaven when he was speaking to the National Press Club. He said, remember... Heaven is going to be perfect, and I don't really want to be there, he said. Those of us that go to hell, which will be most of us in this room, because most journalists certainly are going there, who wants to go to a place that's perfect? He said, boring, boring. But I like what C.S. Lewis had to say about people who don't understand heaven. He said, there's no need to be worried by facetious people who try to make the Christian hope of heaven ridiculous by saying they don't want to spend eternity playing harps. The answer to such people is that if they can't understand books written for grown-ups, they shouldn't try to talk about them. (laughs) So, So let me ask you this today. Is heaven going to be boring? 
Is Ted Turner right? Are all of these people who are saying such things, are they correct? Are we just going to sit on clouds and play harps for all eternity? The answer is no way. Heaven is not going to be boring. I want you to take your Bibles with me this morning because today we have the chance to hear what the Apostle Paul said about the new heaven and the new earth. And I'm going to ask you to stand again with me. We're going to start in Revelation chapter 21, verses 1 through 5. And then we'll swing over one chapter later and read the exact same verses, Revelation 22, 1 through 5. This is what the Apostle John said about the new heaven and the new earth. Here's what he, here's what he wrote. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. And there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Now the dwelling of God is with men, and he will live with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. He who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. And then he said, Write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. And now flip just one chapter later. And let's tag on to that, these words about the river of life. Revelation 22, verse 1. Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life, as clear as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and the Lamb down to the middle of the great street of the city. On each side of the river stood the tree of life, bearing twelve crops of fruit, yielding its fruit every month. And the leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations. No longer will there be any curse. The throne of God and the Lamb will be in the city, and His servants will serve serve Him. They will see His face, and His name will be on their foreheads. There will be no more night. There will not need... They will not need the light of a lamp or the light of the sun, for the Lord God will give them light, and they will reign forever and ever. Folks, I, I can't wait to be in heaven with you. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, one day we will be there forever and ever, and I long for that day, don't you? Let's talk about heaven today. Be seated. Folks, when a believer dies, their soul and spirit immediately go to be with Jesus. They are in paradise with Jesus Christ. But this isn't the final heaven. We just read, right, that God is going to create a new heaven. He's going to create a new earth. It's going to be a new creation. And Randy Alcorn describes it like this. Here's what he wrote. He said, it's no coincidence that the first two chapters of the Bible begin with the creation of the heavens and the earth. And the last two chapters begin with the recreation of the heavens and the earth. All that was lost at the beginning will be restored at the end, and far more will be added besides. The power of Christ's resurrection is enough not only to remake us, but also to remake every inch of the universe, mountains and rivers and plants, animals, stars, and galaxies. So get ready, right? When I hear words like that, get ready for the most amazing new heaven, the most amazing new earth, and trust me, I'm going to say it over and over in this message, it's not going to be 
boring. Now, I want to give you five reasons today why we know that heaven cannot be boring. And here's the first one. Heaven cannot be boring because we will be enjoying its infinite beauty. Let's start right there. And I want to go back to Revelation 22 and read those first two verses. Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life as clear as crystal flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb down the middle of the great street of the city. On each side of the river stood the tree of life bearing 12 crops of fruit, yielding its fruit every month, and the leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations. It's hard for me to imagine that in my mind, isn't it you? I want you to think this morning about the most beautiful place you've ever visited on planet Earth. I kind of took this exercise upon myself this week as I was writing this message and thinking about this, and I've been to what I believe to be some beautiful places I've, I've gazed over the Grand Canyon. Um, I've, I've been down to Costa Rica where they, they filmed Jurassic Park. I mean, that's a beautiful place. I've been to Yellowstone National Park, the shores of Normandy. But, but when I think about all of those places that I've been, I think the most beautiful place that I can imagine is sitting at Jenny Lake in front of the Grand Tetons. Uh, that's a beautiful location on planet Earth. And I guess I want to ask you, and you can't tell me yet, you can tell me later, what's your most beautiful spot? Well, whatever it is, mine the Grand Tetons, yours for whatever your answer is, compared to the beauty of the new heaven and the new earth, the Grand Tetons might as well be a stinky garbage dump, right? It's going to be so amazing for us to be in this new heaven. And friends, we get to go and explore it. How many of you today like to explore things? You go to a new place, you want to see what it looks like. And, and I would imagine to ask a question like that, you say, well, I'm, I'm kind of like that because it's common to human nature. And folks, the new heaven and the new earth will be so much more than this heavenly city. I believe there are going to be planets and galaxies and all of this dynamic opportunity to go and explore. Let, let's go all the way back to 1968 to kind of get at this. In 1968, they made a movie called 2001, A Space Odyssey. How many of you have seen that, right? Now, if you remember the movie, it was a film about a voyage to Jupiter with this computer named HAL. And it it showed by 2001, 21 years ago, it showed in 2001, we were supposed to have space vehicles carrying people to the vast reaches of our solar system. Now, let me just say this. Boy, were they wrong, right? We're not even sending up the space shuttle anymore. And and so it's, it's hard to imagine, but it doesn't mean that we don't want to go. It doesn't mean that we don't want to explore. It doesn't mean that we don't want to explore a new frontier. You see, people have always wanted to do this together. Space, a final frontier. Oh my goodness, where's the rest of it? Is that all we have? Okay, all right. There was a whole lot more there. Um, now, if, if, if you're a Trekkie, I just, I just tried to connect with you, okay? But that's what people have always seemed to want. They want to explore a new frontier. I want you to hear what Dan Schaefer wrote. 
He said, God has made us to explore and discover with great delight. We use spaceships and submarines because we need them, because our bodies are not perfectly fitted to explore our world without them. Our new bodies will be made perfectly to explore the new heaven and earth. We've heard the phrase in history, the golden age of exploration, but in reality, he said, that age lies before us, not behind us. Folks, heaven cannot be boring because we'll be enjoying its infinite beauty. Is that exciting to you? It is to me. Say amen. All right, so let's give you a second reason. Heaven also cannot be boring because we'll be enriched by meeting new friends. Go with me to Revelation chapter 7 verse 9. Revelation chapter 7 verse 9, and I want us to look at all of these new friends. Revelation 7 9, after this I looked and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count from every nation, tribe, people, and language standing before the throne and in front of the Lamb. They were wearing white robes and they were holding palm branches in their hands. Now, the focus is not on the white robes and the palm branches, but the focus is on the multitude. People from every nation, people from every tribe, every language. Folks, those are going to be your neighbors in heaven, our fellow citizens in heaven. We're going to have the chance. Think about this with me. We're going to have the chance to ask King David how big Goliath really was. Oh, we're going to have a chance to pull up next to Eve and Sarah and say, what were you thinking, right? Uh, and we're going to have, be able to ask Daniel what it was like to spend the night reading between the lions, okay? Now, here's the question. Will you know your family? Will you know your loved ones? And I think the answer is Absolutely. You'll know them better than you've ever known them in this life. And you'll know everyone in heaven better than you've ever, ever known them. We'll get to know our great, great, great grandparents if they knew Jesus, right? We're going to get to know that baby that died in the womb or as a newborn. You're going to get to know them. Because when King David's son passed away, he said, He cannot return to me, but I can go to him. You see, it's going to be so amazing. So many people. So many multitudes. You see, as I stand here this morning before you, here's one of my thoughts. That I wish I could know all of you better. And just maybe you think that about me. Some of you, maybe not. But but maybe you say, Pastor, I wish I could know you better. But in this life, here's the limitations that we face. We all have sin-influenced hearts. They, they drive us to isolate ourselves. Uh, many of us are shy in this room and withdrawn because we're afraid of, of hurting people or being hurt by other people. But here's the deal. It's not going to be like that in heaven. We're going to be transformed to be like Jesus and how great it's going to be to truly know and truly love all the redeemed of all the ages. Let's listen to Dan Schaefer's words again. He said, heaven will be a city of new people, regenerated, renewed, and perfect. 
He said, imagine upon arriving in heaven that you discovered to your delight that the first person you met loved you so dearly and so deeply that it fairly took your breath away and that this expression of love never embarrassed you nor made you feel strange. You were able to receive this person's love as easily as he or she was able to give it. And then imagine the next person you met loved you with an equivalent but unique perfect love as well. On earth, he said, all of our love is sin-infected and sin-affected. The best of our loves has to struggle with resentment and jealousy and pride and anger and other sinful ingredients. But in heaven, each person is literally going to be our very new best friend. Now, folks, that does not sound boring to me. Heaven can't be boring. It can't be boring because we're going to be enjoying its infinite beauty. It it can't be boring because we're going to be enriched by meeting new friends. Let me give you a third reason today. Heaven cannot be boring because we will be engulfed in a symphony of praise. Now, let's go this time back to Revelation chapter 5. And in Revelation 5, 11 and 12, John gives us a description of this symphony of praise. Then I looked, he said, and I heard the voice of many angels, numbering thousands upon thousands and 10,000 times 10,000. They encircled the throne of the living creatures and the elders. In a loud voice they sang, Worthy is the Lamb that was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and praise. Folks, that's going to be an amazing moment. Wow, right? Wow. Now, I want to tell you something about me, and I'm going to see if I can identify perhaps something about you. Now, I love coming to church. I really do. And you'd want your pastor to say that, I would assume. I love worshiping. I love preaching. I love being with God's people. I love Sundays. I love church in every way. But most people can't take too much church, right? And it's funny, and I know this because over the years, this is what I've seen. It seems the most enjoyable thing a lot of people do at church is to leave. I mean, when worship is over, they are gone. And they even park their car in such a way that they can make a quick getaway, right? It's amazing. So the idea of heaven being an eternal church service... Well, maybe that doesn't appeal to them. And I just want to say this to you. I'm not looking at anybody. Relax. All right. Relax. Heaven isn't going to be 6,000 verses of the same praise chorus. It's not going to be a sermon that lasts 400 years. Okay. Uh, praise is going to be the very atmosphere of heaven. And here's the way I think about it. And I don't know if I'm right. I'm just guessing. But I think praise in heaven is going to kind of be like listening to music on your headphones or music in the background. It's just there in the background enhancing the experience that you're having. If you're cleaning house and the music's on, it just makes it a little bit better, right? And I think that's how praise is going to be for all eternity. And the good news is this. For many of you, let me say this, you don't sing like Steve Colburn, all right? But in heaven, guess what? You're going to sing perfectly. Right now, you're hesitant to sing. When the music minister says, sing out, everyone, you're like going, I don't know. But in heaven, you're going to have the voice. 
You're going to sing better than Celine Dion and Garth Brooks combined. I mean, don't worry if you can't sing now. Go ahead and make a joyful noise because you're just practicing for the pipes that you're going to get in heaven. Somebody say amen to that. All right, so heaven can't be boring. You're going to be enjoying its infinite beauty. You're going to be enriched by meeting new friends. You're going to be engulfed in a symphony of praise. going to be surrounding us every single second that we're there. Let me give you a fourth reason. Heaven cannot be boring because we'll be energized by serving the Lord. Revelation 22, 3. No longer, it says, will there be any curse. The throne of God and of the Lamb will be in the city, and his servants will serve him. So here's the deal. I think we need to lose this notion that we're going to be floating around on a cloud wishing we had a magazine to read, right? That's not going to be the way it is. You're going to be working in heaven. You're going to be serving the Lord in heaven, but it's not going to be drudgery. You're not going to wear out. You're not going to get weary or tired. You're going to be energized with everything you do. You're going to be fulfilled with everything you do. And I think you'll be accomplished. You'll be accomplishing something so amazing that you'll feel what we know as euphoria. Now, let me try to get us connected to a euphoric thought. Is there anybody in the room who's ever made a hole in one on the golf course? Anybody? Joe Reed's the only one. He's the only one that knows you. Oh, Joe Allen. If your name is Joe, you get a hole in one, all right? These guys are the only ones that know you for you. Actually, it's not true. I've made a hole in one on the golf course in Brownwood, hole number seven of the putt-putt course, all right? So, so I know the feeling. But um, multiply. Let's just think about this. A strike in bowling, a hole in one. A three-point basket to win the game. Whatever it is for you. Multiply that euphoric feeling times a thousand, a million, a billion. And I think we begin to understand what it's going to feel like working in heaven. Combine that with different ideas of achievement. Like when you got that job, when you graduated from college, when you finished that higher degree, when you got that promotion, extend that same sense of accomplishment and fulfillment out into eternity, and that's what it's going to feel like working for our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Let's go back to Dan Schaefer's writing again. He said, God didn't create me for a short 70 to 80 year lifespan. No, I was created for eternity. The gifts and abilities that God has given me and revealed to me are and will remain for my earthly existence only in the embryonic stage. He said the same for you. And those gifts will be yours forever. A part of you that God always had in mind to bloom in your forever. None of us, even the most accomplished among us, has ever experienced anything but the bare budding of our God-given talents and gifts. Friends, that does not sound boring to me. Heaven cannot be boring, amen? Let me give you a fifth reason today. Heaven can't be boring because we'll be enjoying the presence of Jesus. Now go back to Steve's song. That's what brought people to their feet. I want to see my Jesus. You see, we've saved the best for last. 1 Corinthians chapter 13 has some of the most powerful verses outside of the love verses when it says this. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then, it says, we'll see face to face. 
Now that language right there biblically refers to a blurred image. It's like getting out of the shower in a closed up bathroom and trying to see your face in the mirror. You know there's something there, but you really can't make out any details. It's all fogged up. It's not clear. That's how it is now spiritually, I believe. But one day the fog is going to clear. One day the out-of-focus image is going to come into focus. One day we're going to look straight into the face of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Praise God. And one more thing. People always want to know, am I going to be married in heaven? Yes, you're going to be married in heaven. You're going to be married to Jesus Christ. That's what the Bible teaches. The church is what? The bride of Christ. Listen to the way Dan Schaefer writes it. He said, Human marriage was always meant to be but a foreshadow of the things to come. Human marriage is an exclusive relationship between one man and one woman. We desire that kind of love with another person. In heaven, in his presence forever, we will finally eat the banquet for which all human marriages and loves were but hors d'oeuvres. We will not miss having the one human relationship through which we found our life and fulfillment, for we shall finally experience the real thing with our Lord and Savior, Jesus. Now that makes me think. Friends, when we see Jesus face to face, our deepest yearning for acceptance and intimacy will finally be fulfilled. You may be single, you may be widowed, you may be divorced, but in heaven all previous relationships or lack thereof will be overshadowed by the powerful love relationship with Jesus. Friends, heaven is not going to be boring. Let me let me close this way. There was a Sunday school teacher She was teaching her class one Sunday morning, and the topic was obviously heaven. And she wanted them to understand the importance of believing in Jesus Christ. And she said, now, boys and girls, what do you have to do to go to heaven? And one little boy's hand shot up. He knew the answer. She said, yes, sir. He said, you have to die. (laughs) He wasn't wrong. So let me ask you. Are you ready to die and meet Jesus? If you know him as your Lord, if you have accepted him by faith as your Savior, one day you will die and you will see Jesus. One day it's going to happen. 500 years ago, listen to this. John Donne wrote these words. He said, no man ever saw God and lived, and yet I shall not live till I see God. And then only nine years ago, Randy Alcorn wrote these words. The day I die will be the best day I've ever lived. Friend, it will certainly be worth it when we see Jesus Christ. So let's go back to where we started. With Brother Steve Colburn's amazing song. You don't know this, but that song was originally written in 1923 by Nettie Dudley Washington. And crazy enough, it's hard for me to imagine this, it was largely ignored for 60 years. The church didn't embrace it. The church didn't know about it. And then the Gaithers rediscovered it and re-recorded it back in 1993 
And the words that we sang this morning now echo throughout the church on earth. As I entered the gate to that city, my loved ones all knew me well. They took me down the streets of heaven. Such scenes were too many to tell. I saw Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob talked with Mark and Timothy. But I said, I want to see Jesus because he's the one who died for me. And then I bowed on my knees and cried, holy, holy, holy. I clapped my hands and I sang glory.